Okay, now grab your Bibles, grab your handout, and, uh, and we'll get started. We are in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 20. And I'm going to read those verses. Just look at the verses with me as I read them, and then, and then we'll jump in here. We'll have some teaching time in the end. We'll have small group time in which you can get your things prayed for. Talk about what, the, what things the Holy Spirit brings to your heart and mind this morning as we look at this passage together. Verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they, are su- for, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men, I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Sam, in first service, he always seems to just do a pre-soak for my messages. I appreciate that so much. He talked about those that are here with us who have another agenda. That is an unfortunate reality in prospering churches. This passage equips us to deal with that unfortunate reality. So praise the Lord. We'll, We'll be looking at that this morning. By way of review, we've talked about some different things here. Um... One thing I wanted to put back on your handout there under review on, on Roman numeral number one. When individuals and groups are viewed based on their position in Christ and their service to the mission, the result is great warmth and appreciation. Okay, that's what's on your handout there. And we appreciate what we have because we understand what we have when we view each other in light of spiritual reality, in light of biblical truth, when you see me for who I am in Christ, well, then it's harder to despise me for my weaknesses because, well, we're all made out of dirt. We were all dead, but now we're all alive in Christ. And I'm your brother in Christ. When I see you right, there's great personal warmth and appreciation. And so, you know, they'll know us by our love. A group within the church or the church ought to have something that the lost world doesn't have. And that's true love one for another. To overview Romans 16, verses 1 through 16, that's Paul saying hello to different individuals or groups of people. Verses 17 through 20, that's where we are today. That's a division right there, kind of in the middle of these other things. And then verses 21 through 24 is hello from nine different individuals or different groups. And then, and then some closing words there at, at the end. Um, that's where we're at. We're in that middle section. So in terms of this section, what we're going to see is that part of receiving the truth is dealing with people who don't receive the truth, but yet insist on being a part of us. Like, they're like people that won't actually 
buy in and agree and come along and and be with us in heart and mind, but yet they're going to be with us in body. Okay? Like, why, why are you here? You don't like anything we do. You don't seem to like any people here. All you do is complain. Like, why do you... Okay, what do we do with those people? Okay, this passage tells us what to do. So there's people that seem to come in and they just seem to lurk. They're always lurking. They won't buy in, but they'll be here. Lurking, looking for, I don't know what. There's people that come in late. Like they weren't with us at the beginning, but now they're coming in. Okay, so I'm not saying they're all predators. I, if I act like I'm saying that through this whole thing, I, just for the record, I'm not saying that. However, we have a whole lot more people who want to be a part of what we have now. And here's my question. Like, well, where were you in 2008? When it, who was here in 2008? Okay, we didn't have a bunch of people knocking on our door saying, hey, that looks awesome. I want to be a part of that. Why? Because it wasn't awesome. It was nothing. I mean, it was in one sense. Brokenness and laying down your life. That, like, that's all it was. It wasn't comfortable at all. It was just a lot of hard work. Those of us who were here were like, yeah. No wonder no one wanted to, to come in and... Well, that's because people didn't just want to come in and push a vacuum and clean and paint floors and redo windows. I got a picture of Scott. He's tearing out these old windows and putting in new windows in one of our early work days. I got a picture of the Pauls at one of our early work days. I've got a picture of Renee painting this fence out here uh, back in the, the early... like. But now that there's a flock, it seems like everybody comes in and wants a piece of it. So just, so, so I, I've got this down on your handout because I think it's good just to go over this. Here at Midtown, we prove out our leadership by placing people in leadership positions or giving them the authority of a position or an office after they have earned it. Not before they have earned it. See, you can find a hireling pretty easily. It's a lot harder to find a shepherd. A shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. A hireling, they're just there to get a paycheck. They're there to have a position. They're there to get authority. It's all about what they want, okay? So we make someone officially a shepherd at Midtown only after they have grown a flock. So Wagi as a, an example. Okay, I'll use Wagi. I'll use you as an example. Wagi is very qualified in terms of having an advanced degree, seminary training, ministry experience. We could have hired Wagi based on all those things. But that would not have made Wagi a shepherd at Midtown Baptist Temple, would it? Paul said this, he said, you have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have fathers. Okay, so what we do is, and we're actually giving Wagi an opportunity. We're giving him an opportunity to bear fruit here, to build a flock here. 
Okay, so, so Wagi is actually going to be teaching an LFBI course called something, I don't know what you're going to title it, but it'll be something like How to Reach Arabic Speakers for Christ. And it will go over cultural considerations and different methodologies to help reach Arabic speakers for Christ. And we're hoping and trusting that out of that class that we can form a team of people who have a heart to go do that work and can go out as a team and start doing evangelism with Arabic speakers. And then when those people are saved and need discipled and begin to come, and, and I'm trusting God that it's going to get crowded in here again. This week we're a little bit, little bit light, but I'm trusting God that, you know, probably... Probably some of the tables are going to have to go and we're just going to have to put up chairs. And when it gets to the point that we have people that don't speak English or it gets too crowded in here, then Wagi will take that flock and that will, he'll have a class, a Sunday fellowship of Arabic speakers. Does this make sense? Yes. We're not putting Wagi on staff. We're not... or. We're giving him an opportunity to bear fruit, just like all of us have an opportunity to bear fruit. If you remember that Lee Summit, Living Faith Lee Summit, how did that church get started? Bible started out of a Bible study. We didn't just like rubber stamp Dan. No, God brought forth that fruit. There was a flock of 50 people, half of which didn't even come to Midtown, in Lee Summit out of these Bible studies saying, how come we can't be a church? Oh, no, no. If, you, if, if you're going to be at church, you'd have to give to support the work of the ministry. You'd have to show up early to clean and set up chairs. You'd have to start Bible studies. You'd have to start discipling. You'd have to lay down your life to become a church. You guys don't want that. And they're like, yeah, we do. You're like, okay. <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. Because there was already a flock there and there was a shepherd there. Does this make sense? So that's how we do it here at Midtown. And, and that's one way that... that we help prevent people just coming in and saying, hey, I want, I want some of what you have. Okay, so let's look at the next slide here. There's a shepherd. Man, that dude just lives out there with some sheep. Like, like he's just out there all the time. He's give, like, that's his job. He, he, okay, the next guys, look at the next slide. These two guys... This was the title of the newspaper article, which I thought was funny. I didn't come up with that, but... Sheep rustlers who stole more than 100 ewes sentenced to three years behind bars. <laughs> okay. The first guy had sheep, and that was a good thing. These guys had sheep, and that's a bad thing. What's the difference? Oh, they got them. We have a lot of people, and I'm not saying they're all predators. I'm just saying the methodology of saying, hey, give me your sheep so I can teach them. Give me your sheep. so that, Like, actually, I think I'm supposed to protect against people like you instead of give you the people that, that I have laid down my life for. Anyway, <laughs> Those are the sheep rustlers. It's a big deal in the United Kingdom, sheep rustling. Uh, I, I did a little research on that. Okay, so this brings us, though, to the...
problem, and, and the problem that's described in Romans 16, 17, and 18 is divisions. Okay, so if we read about that. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So, so divisions in the church is a problem. Teaching things that, that are contrary to what we've learned is a problem. And so in terms of these divisions, what we see is divisions comes from a carnal, fleshly, wrong mindset. So let's look at some verses here. Okay, go ahead. Okay, before we get to the verses, we're different, you and I. Why? Well, because we're different parts of the same body. The, the eye cannot say because I'm not an ear. The hand cannot say because I'm not a foot. I'm not part of the body. There's different parts, and we all look a little different, and we have different functions. So sometimes the differences that we have will turn into preferences, which become so passionate they actually... Instead of our differences being contributory, meaning we all contribute to the work. So maybe I want to be passionate about teaching. And that makes me despise praise and worship. Well, that's not how that's supposed to work, is it? Joel, Phyllis, might be so passionate about worship. Mike might be so passionate about worship that, that you despise the teaching. Because obviously, if I'm preaching, then you're not playing. So there must be something wrong. No, no, no. We're supposed to all work together. We all contribute that which God gave us. And as we work together, and I want you to be passionate about the things that God's given you and about the way you're gifted. But it's not to be a passionate preferences that causes things to be contrary. It should be contributory. Does this make sense? It's not always the case because... Basically because of carnality. So let's look at those verses. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's the goal. Not divisions. We're all working together. We're like-minded. Okay, next. 1 Corinthians, two chapters farther down. Paul says, you know, I wanted to talk to you about some things, but you couldn't handle it. He says, for ye are yet carnal. Well, what do you mean, Paul? What do you mean carnal? Well, what I mean is there is envying, there is strife, there is divisions within the church. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? You're walking like the natural lost world. That's craziness. Don't do that. Next. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. For first of all, when you come together in the church, Paul says... I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Okay, so divisions, well, you guys know what divisions is, but the way to recognize a division, because sometimes things get muddled and confusing, and there's two sides. There's your side and there's my side. Who's right? Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Before you get into who's right, are, is there a division here? Because the division itself is the problem. We need to protect unity. So before we start arguing, 
before we start contending, before we start disputing, before we start murmuring, before we get into our foxholes and start lobbing verbal grenades and playing, you know, exchanging Bible verses against my brother or sister in Christ for whom Christ died. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's just get rid of the division. Does that make sense? So, that's how we recognize divisions. Offenses... Offenses is also translated stumbling block. So an offense doesn't just mean that I got my feelings hurt. How dare you do that? I'm so offended. Well, no, offense isn't just something that hurts our feelings. An offense in Scripture, we will see, is something that causes people to stumble. Well, what do you mean stumble? Well, I mean... To keep Tammy from moving forward, what are the things that would, that would keep her from moving forward? What are the things that would keep you from moving forward? What are the things that say we're all moving forward together according to the mission of God and we're the people of God? And all of a sudden, someone starts causing other people to stumble. They cause hindrances to our moving forward contrary. Okay, so it's against that which God has us doing. Does this make sense? Okay, so let's look at the verses. Maybe it would be clarifying. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. There's that word, offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So there's a rock of offense that's keeping people from, from doing what they were doing previously. Okay, next. Romans eleven nine. And David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. That, that, that. That's translated stumbling block there. And a recompense unto them. Next, in, in uh, Romans 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall. That is translated, that, that's that same word as offense. Okay? Contrary. Offenses. Something that causes someone an occasion to fall. So, you can imagine a group, and someone comes in, and it's like, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is what the Bible says, and everybody just starts moving forward. And all of a sudden, someone else comes in, and they're messing with that. They're interfering with, with, with individuals' ability to just move forward. That's what this is talking about. It's an offense to, to, to what's going on there. Okay, so that's the problem. That's the problem that we're going to learn to deal with today. So we get a description of the predators in verse 18. Okay, so the first blank was the problem. The second blank here the, under letter B, I'm sorry, C is the predators. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So these serve themselves and not the Lord. Okay? Now that's not horribly surprising in our society. Go go back. Go go back to the cartoon there. I mean It's like the story Sam talked about with the friend of Sam. Yeah. Okay, listen. If I go very long without eating, I'm more concerned with my belly than I am the Word of God. I mean, I'm just, I'm walking around in a physical body. 
If I go very long without sleep, I'm more concerned with sleep than I am the mission of God because I can't stay awake. We are fickle. We're stuck in these, in these bodies. How does God ever get it? Like, like why is there such a struggle? All t- well, it's because of this. The Lord's doing this mighty work, and it's like 99-cent burgers. Oh, okay. And then it's like, wait a minute, what about that? Okay, there's people who are here in the church, and, and they've got confused, and they think somehow that they're here to benefit themselves instead of benefit others. And they kind of miss the whole paradox of Christianity, which is if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Parents get this, maybe, because you lay down your life for your kids, and you wouldn't want it any other way. It's worth it. Okay, so, so anyway, there's people that serve themselves, not the Lord. The way the Bible says is their God is their belly. Now, a couple things about this. They don't look evil, and they don't sound evil. By good words. And fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, just like this timeshare salesman. We'll give you a discounted vacation to the Florida Keys. If only you sit down and listen to one of our brief three-hour timeshare sales pitch. A free vacation. How could you turn down a free vacation? And then how could you not trust this guy? He looks so good and sounds so good. And, and then you end up, do you know there's like a billion dollar industry trying to get people out of their timeshares? Some of you are like, hey man, that was me. I, I was like, okay. They sound good, but they are bad. And so are their results. So when you're looking for these people in the church to mark them, which is what we're supposed to do, you're not looking for someone who looks bad. You're looking for someone who looks good. You're not looking for someone who sounds bad and is using foul language. No, you're looking for someone that sounds really good, just the results are bad. They are deceivers... Deceiving the hearts of the simple. Now this is what it says. It doesn't say they deceive their minds. It doesn't say they deceive their brains. Verse 18 says they, through their good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Did you know you can get your heart deceived? Did you know that? What's that even mean? Okay, how would we figure that out? What the Bible means when it says that? What's our Bible study method for that? First mention. First mention. We'll do that. What else? How else can the Bible define itself so we know what it means? Scripture upon Scripture. Oh, we compare Scripture to Scripture. Let's see the other passages in the Bible that uses this phrase, deceive hearts, and see if we can figure out what it means. You guys good for that? So, this is what I'm proposing up front, that these are deceivers, and they deceive the hearts of the simple. A deceived heart says, it's enough to seem religious. As long as I seem religious, I'm good. If I can come here and say the right things and, and, and seem religious, then you can't possibly find any fault with me. 
because I'm seeming, I'm acting religious, I'm sounding religious, I look religious. Very Baptistic. Gnostics seem very spiritual. Legalists seem very holy. Prosperity gospel, they seem very full of grace. There's just there's there's tons of error that can occur. And they all look good. They sound good. It's like, well, what's wrong with that guy? Look at him. He's all slick and shiny. He's wearing a suit and he smiles all the time. He's always getting people to raise their hands. And oh yeah, that that sounds a lot like a guy who's using fair words and 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 good words and fair speeches to deceive the heart. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's like that, but they're definitely here. So so let's look at these verses, okay? So Philippians three seventeen. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them, which walk so as ye have us for an example. We're going to come back to that verse in a little bit. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you that they are weeping, tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. That was actually a segue verse to this next part, so let's go on. Okay, Romans 16, 18 is where we're at right now. I just want you to see that. By good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. They do it for self-serving purposes. They look good, they sound good, but they're not. Okay, James 1, 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. If you hear the word... But you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. Okay, specifically, verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his, what? His own heart. This man's religion is in vain. Here's a person who seems religious. He looks religious, he smells religious, he sounds religious, he dresses religious, he walks religious, except not in his spiritual walk. Because he doesn't bridle his tongue when he knows he should. He deceives his own heart because he's a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. And if you ever try to tell this person something, but they'll just tell you the verse right back. They know the verse intellectually. But they're not doing it. Their heart is deceived. A deceived heart is a heart that says it's okay to just seem religious. I don't have to be religious. It's okay to look like a Christian. I don't have to act like a Christian. As long as you perceive me as okay, then I'm okay, even though I'm not not living biblically. Does this make sense? Okay. Deuteronomy 11, 22. I believe this is the first mention here. Take heed to yourselves, pay attention to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. What would be the result of a deceived heart? You turn aside, serve other gods, and worship them. And Paul or, uh, uh, Moses is laying out in Deuteronomy here, this is what God says, and this is what God is saying. If your heart is deceived, you will not do what you know you should do. So a deceived heart is a heart that says it's okay to seem religious. I don't actually have to do what God says. Does that make sense? This is the result of these predators that come in. Okay, so what's our process for dealing with them? Romans 16, 17. I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Number one, mark them. 
and then avoid them. That's our two-step process. So I was just kind of picturing, at first it was just, if what if we just all had Sharpies? What if we all had Sharpies in our pocket? And then as soon as we see somebody come in and they're, they're causing problems, divisions, and they're like, we're all watching for it. And, and what if we just all, like, what if it was Bill? And everybody just was like, ah! And then it went from that to what if we all had paintball guns? Like, what if everybody in the church had a paintball gun? Like, we're not going to actually, like, seriously injure you. I mean, it hurt, but... And then, so Bill stands up and he just starts causing problems and we just all went... And just marked the person. Okay, now it's very clear that this is a person who caused divisions, who caused offenses contrary to the doctrine because he's all covered with Sharpie or paintball splatter, right? The scarlet letter. Well, the scarlet letter was hidden, Right? Hester Prynne. It's going back a ways, but it was on her shirt. Oh, it was the priest dude. It was hidden on her. It was out there. Yeah, Scarlet Letter. You're right. Okay, so, yeah, that was like high school. That was 1987. So, sorry. Okay, where are we? Okay, yeah. So, Bill, <laughs> Bill, we would all know who to avoid. Because we would have marked him. That's what this passage is saying. Okay, let's look at some verses here in terms of, uh, uh, of this. Let's go on. Oh, yeah. There's just a nice uh, sheep there. He's just inviting some people over for his, his Bible study. Hey, I'm having a few other sheep over tonight. You sure look like someone who's spiritually in tune enough to really see what's really going on in this passage. To see what's really happening. Oh, what? Are you, it just it means what it says and it says what it means. Don't get sucked into someone's Gnosticism. Okay. That's, that's, that's that guy. Okay, let's go on. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them. This is marking someone for a good reason. Hey, this is a person who is following after Paul's example. I'm going to mark that person. That person's going to be an example unto me in terms of how to move forward in my Like, that's marking someone in a good way. Okay, let's go on. Galatians 6.1. Okay, so that same word, mark them, is, is translated differently in this verse. See if you can figure out which word it is. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Which word in there do you think is, is the same word that's translated as mark somebody? Consider. Consider, that's right. And it's saying mark yourself, consider yourself, look at yourself in such a way as to make sure you're not doing the same thing. Greek says mark. Greek says mark. Okay, mark yourself. So, so, hey, I see someone, they're in error. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to try to help them out. But before I do, I better consider myself, make sure I'm not doing the same thing. I think that's prudent for this because you all 
know the Bible, you're learning the Bible for yourselves, it's possible to become that guy, become that lady. He's doing this for the wrong reasons. Okay, that's Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and then Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That word look at, that's the same word. So I'm not going to just look at this thing and I'll be like, that's mine. I look at that thing and I give it a stamp of identity. I mark it as mine to look at it. You see, it's the same word. You look at it and then you identify it. I was like putting my own name tag on, on my Bible so none of you will take it. Well, I'm supposed to look at the other... Th- uh, anyway, that's that same word. So we're supposed to mark them, and then we're supposed to avoid them. So that I, I don't want to complicate that. It just means avoid them. Stay away from them. That, that's, it's that simple. Okay. You know, this, Sam was talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. We were watching it at my house because the, the high school Bible study that meets at my house was was having a, was inviting people. That's why we had to stay home and support it and missed Mark's Super Bowl party that he did and in, in inviting this class. But but we had a couple that was over there. And, and as soon as that halftime show started, my friend, he, he's like, oh, hey, can we turn that off? I don't want to see that. And I don't want my kids to see that. I'm like, yeah. So we like turned it off. We turned off the video. We wanted to know when the game started again. But here's what we did. Check it out. We saw that it was evil. We're like, nope, not for us. Turn it off. We marked it and then we avoided it. Now we didn't watch it to prove to ourselves that it was indeed evil. <laughs> Like, oh, that looks really evil. Oh, oh, that's bad. She should not shake that like that. That's very, that's very disturbing. I'm gonna like, like we did it. We're like, oh no, I recognize, I mark it, and I avoid it. I don't delve into it. I don't want to know how deep the stuff is that I don't want to be walking in. No. Okay, so that's what we do. Don't get all caught up in it. Okay, so then this brings us then to the next point, which is we need to be prudent. We need to have discretion. We need to be wise. So this requires some things from you. Number one, you have to discern between weakness and wickedness. In Romans chapter 14, just one page prior, we're instructed, him that is weak in the faith, okay, when you see weakness, receive that person, but not to doubtful disputations. When I see someone's weakness, I'm just like, oh, that's okay, come on in. Let me help you bear whatever, those that are strong, you're supposed to bear the burdens of the weak. You don't despise the weak. But wickedness, that's a different story. We don't say, come on in and bring your wickedness in here, do we? So we have to be able to discern when is it weakness and when is it wickedness. Maybe somebody drives you crazy. Okay, well, they probably just remind you of your ex or whatever. Like, it's probably not wickedness. It's probably just weakness on their part. Whatever, right? 
weakness, we just bear those burdens. Those that are, if you're strong, you can bear the burdens of the weak. If you're not strong, then, then you probably don't have to do that as much, but you still don't get to despise other people's weaknesses. Okay. Now, we need to be able to tell the difference so that we can be obedient to Romans 14.1 because we need to do that. We need to bear the burdens of the weak. However, we don't want to end up the simple people who are deceived by people who come in for the wrong reasons. So I have to know when to bear someone else's burdens and when to just call someone else and say, I'm marking you as a predator in this church. You're here for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying it's a sexual predator. I'm saying you're, you're, you're here to, to, for your, your own sake, not for the sake of the Lord. So I'm not doing that, by the way. Okay? But I, I need to know when to do that. I don't want to be that simpleton who's led astray. So I need to be as knowledgeable or as knowing about what is good as possible. Paul says, I would have you wise unto that which is good. So we do need to know the Bible for ourselves, and we need to get... So, so, you know, why is the altar call here always like discipleship? Well, because you need to know the Bible for yourself. The people that know the truth the best are the ones that are the best at recognizing error. And then simple concerning that which is evil. If I know the truth well enough, I don't need to spend enough time... I don't need to spend any time... Learning about how evil the evil is. I just know I need to avoid it. I don't study that which is evil. I don't get drawn into it even to try to refute it. I just know it's evil. Why? Because I know that which is good. I know the mission that God's called me to. And there's a billion other things that I could be doing. I don't have time to do them. Okay? So... So we need to know about that which is good. We need to be ignorant about that which is evil. We just need to be able to recognize it as evil. Okay. If it causes divisions and offenses within the body, it's evil. I think sometimes we don't actually appreciate what we have like we should. If we could see with spiritual eyes the light that's gathered in this room, that's shining in a darkness of hopelessness, like we would really appreciate what we have. Okay, lastly, there's a promise. Romans 16, 20, Paul says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Wait a minute, what? The God of peace bruises people? That doesn't sound very peaceful. Like, like if you were just like to guess, like these is what the, the God of peace does. It'd be all like sunflowers and, and bluebirds and picnics and stuff like that, right? No, the God of peace is going to brew Satan. Why? Well, because Satan is the enemy of peace. Satan has put himself oppositionally. He's the one that's coming in to destroy our peace. He's trying to keep us from appreciating what we have. He's trying to cause divisions in the body. He's trying to get us to be contrary. So a couple applications on this. Number one, if we just do this, mark them that cause divisions and avoid them, then that attack is not going to work. Also, 
eschatologically speaking, in terms of end times, when Jesus Christ comes back, we get to rule and reign with him. He rules with a rod of iron over a physical kingdom out of Jerusalem. Like, like we're actually... This will actually happen. Like, like Jesus is actually going to come back. What we're doing now as his agents in the kingdom on earth, physically, he's going to complete when he returns in terms of bruising the head of Satan who's in here to cause problems. So, so, so this is it. It's, it's relatively simple. We have a process to deal with the predators who are causing problems, and we need to be prudent. We need to have faith in God and, and, and just be able to, to do that. So I'd like to break up now and into our small groups. And we've got about 10 minutes or so. We don't have a, 